Know Thyself is dedicated to the exploration of the most rewarding task an individual can ever embark on, the journey to find oneself. Our intention is to investigate the universal principles that have equipped our species to seek the treasure of all treasures, self-knowledge. With your host, Daniel Polinski and Eduardo Manteca, this is the Know Thyself Podcast. Uh, with these first couple episodes, with the first episode looking at the five W's of occultism and the second episode breaking down the brain, again, we're really making that foundational knowledge and creating that common language. So as we build on these concepts in the future, we are all on the same page and understand what we're talking about. So again, foundational knowledge is kind of what we're looking to create here. And the thing we're going to kind of cover today is a very, very important topic in any philosophical study, in any study of the self. And that is going to be, what is truth? Um, can truth be known? Is truth objective or is it subjective? And really what we're going to almost show today is we're really going to almost describe the port of philosophy that we're going to be leaving from. And what we're going to be looking at is really the idea of the, the school of study we're coming from and the ancient mystery schools and occultism really, really emphasizes the idea that there is a truth, and that truth is objective. Um, and it's our subjective perceptions that we want to do to align with truth, and that's going to bring what we call pleasure and pain, um, a greater understanding of ourself, uh, more confusion. And that's really where that's going to come into. So really we, what we have to do is describe and almost just clarify the idea that truth can be known. And that's going to defer a little bit from some other philosophical systems. So one thing what we really want to kind of show away from or move away from is an idea that most people are going to understand this idea of that we're moving away from is this idea of solipsism. And the idea of solipsism is Really what it breaks down to, if we do the etymology of it, solus, which means alone in Latin, and ipse, which means self. And this idea of solipsism is going to be the idea that truth can't be known. Um, the only truth that can be known is that the own personal actually exist. So in solipsism, the idea is, I can only be sure that I exist, but you could just almost be a figment of my imagination. I could be creating you, and I can't really even be sure you exist. I can only be sure myself exists. So we really want to almost discredit this philosophy and move to it's more of a classical idealism. Classical idealism is going to really create the idea that thought is the creator of this universe, and as you think, so you feel, so you act. And the idea that there is an objective truth, and it's where we're going to kind of create this Know Thyself podcast is really taking our thoughts, our emotions, and our actions and aligning them with truth. And truth is just a constant, constant kind of motion. It's going to move away from the solipsist idea where perception is reality. Um, That's a very dangerous idea. Perception is not reality. Aligning my perceptions to reality is the idealistic idea. And that's really what we're going to be focused on. And we're going to give evidence of why this is important and where this kind of comes up. And really going to give evidence too of the dangers of this idea of solipsism, because solipsism in the idealistic idea is one of the most dangerous ideas in the world. Because with solipsism, you are your own arbitrator of truth. So 
what's good for me is good for me and what's bad for me is bad for me. And if I think I might be the only thing in the universe, that means it really doesn't care what happens to other people, what I do to other people. As long as I'm benefiting from it, the universe is benefiting from it. Because in this understanding, I am the universe. So the idealistic is going to say, we're all together in the universe. So we all kind of come from the singularity. There's, We're all connected, but that means being your affects your happiness, your understanding of consciousness actually affects my understanding of consciousness. And we're in this more together rather than this alone narcissistic idea. This narcissistic idea, unfortunately, has really gained ground in our modern society. We've kind of lost this idea that, you know, if one person is suffering in this world because of our connection with everybody, we're all suffering a little bit. So, it's very, very important as we kind of grow in our consciousness that we want other people to raise their consciousness and not feel pain because as one person elevates, it kind of brings up the whole group. And that's a very important topic. So um, this whole idea of truth and truth, we really should kind of define because truth is, depending on the school of thought of philosophy, sometimes truth gets more of a complex definition than it really needs. Um, and again, one of the person who, a great person to get into this research um, and that we're kind of um, taking some of this information from right now is uh, Mark Passio. And he does a great job of explaining truth. And he explains truth as that which is. So truth is everything that has happened in the past and the waves that have collapsed in the moment. So when we really want to think about truth, all we're really thinking about is everything that's happened in the past and what's happening in this exact moment. And that's very important. So there is always potential, right? There's an infinite amount of waves that can kind of collapse. And it's our free will decisions that collapse those certain waves. Okay, so the waves that you have already collapsed in the past from your thoughts, your emotions, and your actions, that's truth. You can't change the past, right? And what's happening right now, these moments that are collapsing right now, me talking to you, there's no way that we can actually change the experience that we're having right now. We can't, we can lie to ourselves and be like, oh, we never made a podcast that day, but we're not speaking the truth. Truth is that we're collapsing a wave right now. We're talking about this topic in this moment. Okay. So the reason why we want to kind of come to a common understanding is truth is, again, like most concepts and most principles, it's simple. And it's the overcomplication of this that people start to see like, oh, I don't think I could ever perceive truth. But truth is really just being aware of that which is and that which is occurring. And that's really, really important for the fact that you can't change the past. The only thing you can actually change is the future. And you change the future through the present. And that's why it's so important that we are aligned in our thoughts, our emotions, and our actions. Because we can all look into the past and see stuff that we might not be proud of. Or, oh, I wish I could have done it this way. I wish I would have reacted.
acted this way, right? So you can't take responsibility for your present in order to continue to, to move forward in, in a, with truth. Exactly. You have to take pre- you have to take control of the present, and that's where everything's done. And through truth, we're going to start seeing causality because when we really start focusing on the past, like why did this happen? Where where did I go wrong in my thoughts, my emotions, and our actions? We can start seeing the causal effects of that. We take that causal understanding and we bring it into the present, and that's how we change the future. Okay, and that's why the present is a present; it's a gift because you have the opportunity now to change your future. And that's where your free will decisions come in. Okay, so really free will, and we're going to have a whole podcast on what free will is. Um, Free will is our ability to change the future. And sometimes we can't really change what's happening in our environment, but we can change how we react to the environment. And that's very important. And through free will decisions, we can change a lot that's going to happen in our environment. But it's really this whole play between the actual deterministic factors in the universe and our free will. And it's just, it's this almost dance that we do. And we'll get into that because it's really important when it comes to the understanding and the expanding of our consciousness, how important our free will is, because it is everything. It's what, it what makes us human, having those free will abilities. So, but we can't really get into free will without understanding the topic of truth. And that's why we're kind of covering truth today. So again, truth we don't want to give it too overcomplicated of an idea. Um, it's that which is. So it's what has happened in the past and it's what's happening in this current moment. We can't describe the truth of the future because we haven't experienced the future, right? Unfortunately, we perceive time as a linear subject. So we have to see it as it is. Um, Soren Korkengaard, who's this amazing philosopher, does a great way of saying, um, you know, The past is, he talks about how you can only understand the past by looking back on it, you know, and you can really understand it through there. And it's through that understanding of the past that you can almost change your future because you understand those causal factors. And that's so, so important when we get into the idea of cause and effect. And again, this is all going to root around truth. Truth is really going to be the main principle that we're going to be building from, from this point on. Um, and one of the big things we have to even do is define that truth is actually can be known, where there's going to be schools of philosophy and even schools within the New Age movement that, can, that says that truth can't be known um, or that you have a subjective truth. Right. And so subjective truth is a very dangerous thing. So really what sub- subjective truth is coming down is your perception. And the idea is your perception can be not aligned with reality. And that's what's going to actually cause pain and suffering, um, not only to yourself, but the people around you. It's when you align those perceptions to reality that you're actually in alignment with truth. And we're going to talk about how, how that kind of comes across. And we're talk about give examples of when your truth, when your knowledge was aligned with, when your perceptions were, were aligned with truth and when your perceptions were not aligned with truth. And you can actually see the easy consequences. And again, kind of getting into that causality, that cause and effect. Um, but truth is really going to be that that standard line that we're always trying to walk on. It's almost going to be the yellow brick road of Wizard of Oz. You always want to keep on that line. And it's going to be so, so important to cross in with that line as, poss- as much times as possible. Because when you're living out of alignment of that, that's when we're going to have pain and suffering and internal slavery. That's kind of what this whole podcast is kind of moving to avoid 
and kind of graduate out of. So, um, again, we really want to move away from this idea of solipsism because this idea of solipsism and this idea of subjective truth, because you hear this in this new age community right now, uh, my truth and you have your truth. And really what they're doing is they're just misspeaking because you have your perceptions and I have my perceptions, but we don't have our own independent truths because when we have independent truths, we are the arbitrator of truth and we don't really decide actually what truth is. We decide if we are aligned with truth or not aligned with truth, but we are not the arbitrators of truth. And that is going to be really the journey. And that's almost the leap of faith that you have to take walking into any esoteric or occult school. So the first leap of faith that you do, and really the only leap of faith is, is there such thing as truth? And that really is, we were skateboarders. We remember this back in the day, Jamie Thomas did the leap of faith, right? And he jumped from like a whole staircase in a school and made it onto the bottom. And that's really what we're talking about here. We're talking about this leap of faith because we're really taking this leap of faith to say, to start the journey of, I believe that there is truth and I'm going to start this journey to find truth. And as you start the journey and you start going down, you will see that there is an objective truth that you're trying to walk across, but you have to take that leap of faith first. So this idea of solipsism, the danger of it is it almost puts people on a path to not even ever look for truth. Because in this idea of solipsism, truth can't be known. All I can know is that I exist. So why would I even start the journey of truth? Why would I even start what you would call in tarot, the fool's journey, if I don't even think truth is objective. I think truth is subjective. So I won't even start this journey. So you actually have almost individuals, what you would call the unbeguns. They're not even going to, you're not even going to approach the temple of all knowing or the temple of higher knowledge because you don't even believe it exists. Is that the same as, so what's objective truth? Is that the same as people who say that's not for me to determine? You know, when people say that they kind of, it's a sort of a cop out where they're like, well, that's happening to that person, but that wasn't for me to determine. Right. You know, I, I think that's a, a great way to look at it, you know. Um, I've done that before, and, and I don't, I personally don't feel like I align with those people when they decide to say, well, it's not my problem. You know, you're seeing it, right? you know, but you're choosing right now to basically stay in what you're saying. I'm, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're saying that's what more or less is somewhat subjective truth. It's like they see, but they don't. Right. And the idea that they're isolated, oh, that's not my problem. But really, when we look at consciousness and we see that we're all connected, we see that another individual's problem is my problem, right? If there's any suffering in this world, we're all suffering. And it's when we raise ourselves out of the suffering. And the raising out of the suffering is self-knowledge. That is what's going to get all of us through this problem. Um, but yeah, that idea that, oh, that's those people's problem. Right. It's almost that left brain mentality of, you know, I have to protect myself and my own, but I can't really care about what's happening to my neighbors or more importantly, what's happening to like another country. Well, actually, you do need to because beyond the cultural borders, we have the humanistic connection and that's much deeper. Right. And when we start seeing ourselves as, oh, but that's that culture or that's that race, really, when you look down in the DNA, we're all the same. Right. Right. So, we have these connections. So when we avoid these connections and we isolate ourselves, we see the consequence of our actions and we are isolated. We are a very polarized community now because we're not seeing any common goals between each other, right? Even in our society we find today, it's the most polar, polarized we've ever seen it. 
in our lifetime. And judging from what's going on around us, it feels like it's only going to get more and more polarized. So as we're kind of going on with this idea that truth can be known, there's also the understanding that knowledge can be known. And knowledge is going to be really the expansion of our consciousness. So with this in, this in mind, we're going to see that knowledge is going to be the idea that the more cognitive, more, the more alignment we have with reality and with truth, the more we're going to raise our consciousness and have a better understanding. And consciousness, when we're talking about consciousness, we really want to talk about consciousness is really, it's almost a um, pattern recognition and it's going to be perceptions of relationships. Being conscientious of those patterns and of those perceptions of relationships. That's so, so important. And that's the building blocks of knowledge. And so as we're really looking at how do we, because in this Know Thyself podcast, one of the things we're really doing is we're almost trying to reconstruct our thoughts, our emotions, and our actions. And the easiest way to kind of do that and what we're going to kind of tackle today is almost look, how do we even create knowledge in the first place? And if you really look at knowledge, knowledge is, again, it's perception of relationships and pattern recognition. And again, we're going to look at what perfect knowledge is and imperfect knowledge is. When we have a false perception of relations, we're going to have painful results. When we have a correct perception of relations, we're going to have success. Okay, And this is not only in our physical, but this is going to be in our mental, and it's also going to be in our spiritual and our social and so many other different aspects. Right, So it's not just a physical thing, but we're going to start this to kind of to explore this, let's almost look at the physical reactions of where did these perceptions actually start from? And the easiest way to do that is to almost look at when we were a newborn, right? We have a very limited amount of perceptions of relationships. And that's because we have a limited knowledge because we don't have much experience. So all knowledge is going to come from some sort of experience. And that's very important you're going to, if you really think about it, anything can be an experience. So you're like, well, I got knowledge from reading a book. That wasn't like a personal experience. It was. You were reading the, the words of somebody else, and that was an experience you were going through. So we create knowledge through experience. And that's also very important because, again, the solipsism is going to say you can't, there is actually really no such thing as true knowledge. But we can see through experience that that is incorrect. Knowledge can actually be obtained and we can actually validate knowledge through what we call pleasure or pain. And so we go back to, again, let's go back to when we were infants, just outside of the womb, right? This is where we're going to have our first perception of relations and pattern recognition. Okay, now we, you're, you don't have as many instincts at this time, but you do have the instinct for survival because all living things do have this instinct of survival. And we didn't have to be taught the instinct of survival, right? When we came out of the womb, we just took a breath. We didn't have to have anything educate us on how to take a breath. This is why, you know, an animal can actually go to the water and like start drinking. It doesn't have to be taught this. It just has this instinct in it, right? So now humans have less instincts when we come out readily available to us as like, let's say like a horse who comes out like walking, and it's just like ready to go, right? Humans are pretty, um, I want to say, I, yeah, I want to say very like almost neutral. They don't have a lot of 
um, cognitive abilities coming out of the womb, right? You still have that whole 10 months, 12 months of almost filling out your body, right? But one of the first perceptions that we have, um, and we don't, we don't actually, we can't give it the idea, but is of hunger, right? So one of the first things we're going to notice is I'm hungry, okay? And then we're going to get nourishment from our mother, okay? The next time we're hungry, we're not going to know exactly what's going to happen. We're going to kind of feel our stomach rumbling. And then eventually we're going to get nourishment from our mother. Eventually we come to the point where we feel our stomach being empty and we know to cry because that's going to bring over our mother to provide nourishment. That's your first perception of relation. That is your first pattern recognition you've ever done. When I'm hungry, I cry and my mother comes and I get nourishment, right? Boom. That's your first pattern recognition. So you're going to almost build on that pattern recognition as you go. So more patterns are going to come in. More patterns you start to see, the wider your consciousness, the wider this understanding happens, right? So as you develop as a child and a couple of weeks go in, you start actually opening your eyes and being able to obtain sight. So now you can start looking at things. So you can, different things are going to start grabbing your attention. And you noticed as a child that certain things that you see, you can actually reach for and grab and touch, right? So you have this whole perception of relations. I see this item and I touch it. Now, as a child, you might see something across the room and you might go with it at the same confidence that you can reach that. And you're going to see that you can't reach it. Okay. So now that knowledge that you had of, I see something and if I want it, I touch it. Now that knowledge gets adjusted. So your perceptions of relations and your pattern recognition actually gets rewired and you come up with a new concept. And that's where distance comes in. So you're always kind of building on those topics, right? You start foundational and you build on them. So the child now learns about distance. Now, he might not know the actual word for distance, especially at this young age, but he understands that there's some stuff close at hand that I can reach and there's some stuff that's further away, right? So I now am coming to the idea of perfect knowledge and imperfect knowledge, right? So now as we kind of move into this subject and we get a little deeper into this subject, we get into where nature is going to start becoming the teacher of where we have pain and pleasure. Okay. So now this is really where we want to start focusing in on what perfect knowledge is and imperfect knowledge is, right? So say that child now that's learned a little bit about distance is getting to the age where it's starting to be bilateral. It's, it's moving, right? So it's walking, it's trying to learn how to walk. That education of distance that it had in the crib when it was reaching for objects that it couldn't reach, and now it understands that there's certain things I can reach for and there's certain things I can't, is going to come a huge factor, right? Because this child is learning how to walk, and say it goes to try to steady itself on a chair as it's walking, and it doesn't quite understand that distance, that child is going to fall down on the ground and feel pain. Imperfect knowledge, you didn't understand distance. Okay, so now nature is saying you didn't understand this lesson, so I have to give you pain. Okay, that child gets a better understanding of that range of motion. That next time it understands distance, so when it goes to put its weight on it, it's actually within the reach of that child. And now that child has been awarded with pleasure. Okay, so we are always re redeveloping our knowledge and we're highly defining it. But again, fundamental principles. It has to start from that simple, that simple, that simple structure, and then you're building it and making it more complex. And you're always taking out 
evolution is always the alignment to reality, right? So as I learn more about my reality, I rediscover what I know. So knowledge is, again, what we know is the raindrop falling in the ocean, right? We're just that little raindrop of all of our knowledge and that ocean is huge. So there's always more we don't know than we do know. And it's the idea of always being able to, how do I better myself? How do I keep evolving, right? How do I have more experiences to have a better perception of relations, to have a better understanding of pattern recognition, right? So as this child gets older, we can see how this imperfect knowledge and this pain and pleasure is going to even come in. So say there's a, um, the child sees a lighted candle, right? Beautiful. Never has seen fire before. So this child is like, wow, that's appeasing to the eyesight. That must be just as appeasing to the touch. So the child goes over and touches that candle, right? Not as appeasing as the touch as it was to the eyesight. Right. Child is acting on imperfect knowledge, right? Now from this, from this experience, from this situation, this child is like, okay, you're appeasing to the eye, you're not appeasing to the touch, and you're really not appeasing to the taste or any other senses of that such, right? So through this, this child is taking imperfect knowledge and making it perfect. Now, this is just a physical understanding of this, and you can kind of follow the trails of your life, even when it comes to like, oh man, I like riding my bike really fast and like taking turns. Well, you do that until you take a turn too hard and you, you scream up your knee, right? And you like, you actually crash your bike and you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to take that turn a little bit slower next time. I have limits. I've got more perfect knowledge of the situation. So we do a really good job of understanding that physically, but now we want to take that information and look mentally and spiritually. So as we think, so we feel, so we act, that we can act more on perfect knowledge as for in our thoughts, mentally and spiritually, because it's the same kind of thing. Nature on all different realms, the thought, the emotional, and the action is always going to be pain or pleasure. And it's with your, if your alignment with reality and truth, you're going to feel pleasure and you're going to have a greater understanding of life and your consciousness is going to expand out of alignment with truth. You're going to be again, walking in the dark and walking into more painful situations. So this is going to happen in our relationships. This is going to happen in our workplace, our careers, um, even physical things that we're building, right? So like me and you are going to build like a gazebo. If we don't have foundational knowledge of how to do that, that gazebo is going to crumble. We're probably going to get in a fight about it because like, I told you to do that. And you're like, no, I told you to do that, right? And we're going to feel pain from this situation. Rather, if we understand how to build this gazebo, we have a good understanding about the foundational thing of it, we're going to have pleasure from this. And we're going to actually have like this shaded spot that we can hang out and watch the sunset, right? So pain and pleasure, when it's applied by nature, is the greatest teacher. And we want to follow that because that is, it's always there. And the problem is, is in our society, we almost try to avoid playing. Avoidance. Those avoidance. Absolutely. Yeah, where does avoidance fall in all this? Because it seems like um, with the pain and pleasure, um, back to your analogy, and I really like your analogies with children, but back to your analogy of like walking and making yourself go to a distance to find out what distance really means by approaching it. There are those who may be curious enough to find out what distance is, but then they stay stagnant. Because why do I need to go all right. over there? Right, right. And that's... That why would, 
go, go ahead. No, no, you're exactly right. Because, and again, that's why all knowledge has to come from experience. So what people end up doing is they start limiting their experiences and be like, oh no, I'm just going to do this, this, and this. I, I go here, I work here. I watch this television show, I go to sleep and I wake back up. I have this for, and I just keep in the cycle. And now having a cycle, um, having a setup plan, that's great, but you really want to expand those experience because the problem is, is a lot of people won't even change the thoughts that are coming in. How do I improve my thoughts? How do I improve my emotions? They stay stagnant and stagnant in evolution is death. So anytime you stay stagnant and you're not evolving, that's what death is. So the problem is, is the soul sometimes almost goes through a state of dying 50 or 60 years before the body does. And we see that. You see people that are dead. Exactly. And they've died 40 years before they're in their coffin because they lost that energy of, you know, that child wants to look around the corner. Like, have you ever tried to, like, keep a three-year-old, take him into a new place, and you're like, hey, just stay here? Super hard to do. The child's like, I kind of want to look around that corner. What's in that room? What's in here? It has that curiosity. Problem is, is when we kind of give up on that curiosity, we lose that ability and that urge to have experiences to expand our consciousness, and we just get settled in that stagnation. And I mean, we see this with even individuals that we went to school with, like you see it in their eyes. They're just like, and I don't want to say like dead, but it's almost like they're dead in their eyes. Like that that glimmer of consciousness, that glimmer of your childhood excitement is gone. And there's no, it's just like, oh, I'm in this routine. Um, this is why I think cell phones are so important for people. I think this is why social media is so important because it's taking that, it's taking that interest outside of them and it's putting them on a screen in front of them. And it's a distraction. And we have, we are constantly distracted from expanding our experiences and expanding our knowledge. So we almost get comfortable and it's just like, you know what? I don't want to leave my shell. When sometimes you don't want to leave your shell, but you you have to grow and you have to hear that calling of the hero, right? Um, right. Well, I mean, sometimes again, sorry to interrupt, but what you just said just made me think of a group of people who those those who are stagnant don't realize that the truth comes to them. It's right. Going to the truth when they have the opportunity opportunity to. So then, when truth comes to them, they face also pain because they avoided. Ex- what that experience would have been right right and, and they're, they're so blinded by that pain that they don't want to go through that again yeah. when really they don't understand that you have to go through that pain to find that peace you know um, that's the hero's journey it always usually is going to happen we'll get into joseph campbell's breakdown of the hero's journey there's always that kind of tragedy that happens that's going to take you on that journey like we go to the wizard of oz it's her getting picked up by that tornado like she had no control of it this is the natural world so the problem is is most people wouldn't have gone on that journey to meet the scarecrow the tin man and the lion they would have just stayed there with the in that first place they landed, or they might not even, they just, and just crying about the situation they are rather than actually going on that journey. So um, there's a, there's a great phrase that's your destiny has your phone number. You just have to give it a reason to call. So if you're just sitting at home, drilling farts into your couch, watching TV, like destiny's just going to like skip you. It's just not even going to call you. It's going to be like, oh, you don't even want to do this. Like, why would I even give you a call? I'm just going to go on to the next person, right? This person's interested in their soul, interested in the expansion of their consciousness, developing their character. We get to a point now where character development isn't even a thought to people. 
Um, it's not even something that comes up. But when you talk about where is your character and what are your development, people don't even really understand that. That's the thing. We've lost, we've lost a lot of understanding of what words mean. You look even in the political process, asking somebody what freedom and liberty means, they can't really even give you the example of what that actually is. And these are such important words, especially in the cult, the country we live in. We have fought a whole revolution about freedom and liberty and sovereignty. And most people can't even give you what the definition of that is or what that actually means in application to their rights or their natural rights. So we have this whole understanding that we've got, we've fallen off this path of that this whole five cents construct of reality we are in is for the development of your soul and your character. And we've lost that connection. And we've, we kind of spoke about this a little bit earlier and that's what we're kind of connecting. And that's why we're looking at ancient psychology and these ancient understandings, because modern world is really concerned with motion, right? So they want to know how something works and how they, they can actually physically improve it for themselves, where the ancients were more concerned with meaning, right? So we, where we will kind of study astronomy now and the movement of the planets and what the planets are made of and their masses and asteroids and more concerns with the motion, right? We're, we're interested to study Mars, but we want to study Mars to see what the actual soil is. Can we ever move there and start a colony, which is a terrible idea because if you just move a problem from one problem to the other, you're just like moving the problem. Like, why don't we just solve the problems on earth? But we're like, no, earth's already messed up. Let's just go find another planet yeah. to destroy. And you're like, well, that's terrible, right? So again, modern world is for, for motion, Ancients were more concerned about meaning. What does the planet's movement have to actually have on meaning on myself, my my understanding, my thoughts, my emotions, and my actions? So really, we've lost this idea, and we're really just trying to reconnect to this idea that life does have meaning. There is a sense of an objective truth. There is objective morals. There's a code we're supposed to live by, and when we live by that code, we'll start to see that our external environment starts to—we actually have freedom— we actually have sovereignty, right? And that's what's going to be displayed. Right. I thought it was fascinating that, you know, I think a lot of people can relate to this uh, in regards to what you're saying about experiences and, and knowledge. But one thing that is uh, very, um, and, and at least in, I guess, all over the world, but for us who are a little more affluent in, in the Western world, and especially here in the U.S. or even in Europe, is traveling. Right. When you get into your 20s, you're like, oh, well, I went abroad, you know, went to Europe or I went to South America. But when people come back with this um, electrical charge, what they're missing sometimes that I've noticed is that they just gave life a chance or the universe to make that phone call more often in their life. And so that's why I think that by going there, um, this is the only way. It's not true. You can do it. You can do it here in your own turf, you can do this on the daily to live those experiences. But when you're home, you tend to be limited because you've, you've created that sort of safety net. And when you step out of that safety net, it's when you start to say, wow, well, you know, it wasn't until I traveled abroad that I realized that. And then whatever that person's story is, or it's when people start to use the word coincidence a lot, you know, and, I, and there are no coincidences that we talked about. There's only coexistence and synchronicities. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know that until they've, let themselves 
experience that experience. Right. And then they, that's when they, again, that's when they come back with this electrical chart saying, oh my gosh, you know, and, and, and it sucks because sometimes people will put excuses on their own experience. So that, well, I was single, I was in my twenties and I was so not young and naive. I'm like, no, you really, what you're really doing is you, you let this massive wall down, this guard that you created come down and let the universe sort of present a path that is actually more uh, in alignment with truth than ever. Right. But people, I feel like, to, yeah. Anyways, it gets forgotten and becomes this long life vacation. And before I know it, that person goes back to their uh, routine. routine yeah. And that story is just a story they tell every time they have, you know, a cocktail dinner or whatever over it. their friends. are Like this one time when I was there, but that's the only time it's ever going to happen. Right. People open doors for me. Right. I was walking. It's like, no, you can continue walking forward and doors will open. For right. You, but only if you know how to knock, you know, and I don't think people do that often. So anyway, sorry. No, no. You talking about this just reminded me of conversations that I've had with people who that seems to be the one thing that they grasp for. They're like that one time or that one trip. And it's like, well, right. You know. And they open themselves up. And again, it's just that expansion of experience. They, they, took their experience out of their normal routine or that ritual that they've got themselves stuck into. And through that expansion of experience, they have all this new information, all these new patterns that they're recognizing and all these new concepts that they're seeing. And you're right. It improves the character, but why don't we take that further? Why don't we just realize, Oh, you know what? I can actually be in that state at all times, but we just think it's, Oh, it was the travel. It was this and that. I was on vacation. Right. There was nothing to do. There was nothing, there was no deadlines, but realistically the vacation itself is a bunch of deadlines too. People don't realize that you had to, you know, book your flights, your trains, your hotels, your all this stuff, but you just did it with more open mind because you were were surrendering to the idea that this is fun and this is something that's a once in a lifetime opportunity, but life itself is a one-time opportunity if you can see it that way. It's not just the Euro trip, you know? Right. Actually seeing that adventure in the everyday where you just, right. And, but you don't see it because you're just like, oh, I'm going on this adventure to Europe. And you're like, well, what about the adventure of everyday waking consciousness? Right. And again, how easy it is. I think most people, you know, die 50 years before they're buried because they lose out on that adventure and they forget that this is an experience for the expansion of their consciousness. And, you know, one thing I think people do is I think they overcomplicate that. I think people don't understand that your labor is your craft. And I don't think people separate that. They think their job is just a way to get money. But, you know, labor is such an important process. It's one third of the whole experience is learning a trade or learning a, a, a subject or whatever it is and how that affects your character and how that affects the person you are. And it's so important that we actually find that connection. So I think that's another problem with people who lose out on that adventure is they just jump into the job that's going to pay them the most or get them the most recognition. And they don't really find what they're passionate about or what their bliss is. And they miss out on that whole lifelong adventure. And you can see that. You can see people who have all the money in the world. Because again, some of these people that we're talking about that we see from maybe high school, financially, they're doing really well, right? They come in this really nice car, they have these nice clothes, they have a beautiful partner, right? And they might even have a family, but there's something missing. And that's that adventure of life has kind of gone away because they're like, oh, I'm just really concerned about the day-to-day, my bills. Again, I've lost out on that whole holistic thought of the connection of the universe and how am I bettering myself? How am I improving my character? What am I doing to make myself a little bit better? Instead, they're just like, I'm just going to kind of ride this out. 
Um, I'm hoping to retire when I'm 65 and then I'll have about five, six years of travel before I'm stationary. And it's like, well, why are you living for the future? This is the present. This is the gift. Make every day that, you know, make, don't live their life just for a retirement. Like, of, of course, you know, financially plan, make sure you don't have to work until the day you die. Absolutely. But that's not the end goal, right? Because you have these different phases in life. You want to make sure you're doing what you're supposed to do in those phases of life. And we'll kind of get into that when we're talking about astrology and the the role of Saturn and why it comes around in the certain times of your life, why you have a Saturn's return, why you have a midlife crisis and what you're supposed to do at that time. You know, that's what's really important. You know, when you're in your 70s, it's really not about like getting the best golf score or there's competition is going away. It's more about reflecting on your life. When you're in your 50s and that second Saturn returns come in, it's more about really connecting back to that childhood essence that you let it go with your first Saturn returns. When you you found a commitment to a job or a trade and you sacrificed your childhood essence to learn something. Um, it's not really about your midlife crisis. It's about buying a speedboat. It's about connecting to that child essence that you left behind, that you sacrificed to be able to learn a certain trade to better yourself. It's interesting you say that because sometimes people, especially now how things are changing, one thing you just said um, is I've noticed the change in people. And this is something that all of you listeners will um, have experienced probably already or have seen for yourselves. But that's the reason why the grandchildren get along so well with the grandparents, because the grandparents have been able to make that full circle back to that point where there is no fear anymore and only curiosity or letting life events be life events and not get so hung up on them. And the child picks up that vibration, which is why they can't wait for the next time to hang out with grandma and grandpa, because they're both aligned in almost the same uh, playing field. Where with your oh, parents, interesting. With your parents, I feel like you're just, you know, um, you're caught up in, 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 in their, whatever it is, their limitations that they are. But you start to also, the child gets conditioned to that. And they start to see things in that right. in your perspective of, of time. It's like, oh, well, I guess this is the time to do this. This is the time when to do that. And so dad is fun on the weekends, but he's not so great during the weekdays. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a trick to this right now. And, and sadly your kids starts to get conditioned to that too. So then you start to believe, well, this is how it's supposed to be. Right. So you go to your grandparents' house and you realize like anything goes here, you know, right. so like it's, it's really something that, um, I've noticed now with this midlife crisis, you're talking about sometimes there are people who are going through that midlife crisis, but at the same time, by the grace of the universe, they already have had a kid who's now having a kid and you find these younger parents who become grandparents. And then before you know it, they've gotten a second chance a little sooner than turning, you know, towards the last chapter of their life. Right. They still have quite a bit of time to go, you know what, I can still fix this. Right. Right. Versus buying a sports car or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. No, that's a great point, man. I didn't even think about that, but the, the connection you have with your grandparents and it's, it's so true because they're in that, they're almost reconnecting and they're going back to those, those cycles where your parents are all just trying to get you ready for the world. And your grandparents are almost like pump the brakes a little bit. Right. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really fascinating when we kind of think about the. Or an uncle and aunt. Your right. Uncle and I'm sure, you know, when you walk in, I mean, I've, I've heard people say this and I, it is sort of cynical, but I have heard people say, well, I don't get to take them home. So, you know, the vibration they're picking up on, on hanging out with you is because you don't have the responsibility to doing all the other things. I have to do Right. It's on. just, and it's like, well, they're not wrong when, when your sister says that to you or your brother says that to you about their kids. But at the same time, um, 
you can do it too. You don't right. have to wait for Uncle Daniel to show up and then be like, okay, now my kids can laugh. It's like you can also show them the side of yourself too, but you right. refuse to because you're caught up in raising them plus right. trying to figure yourself out. You know? Right. And that's, I think, the one of the big things too is I think we, in our society, um, we almost rush into this idea of having a family and getting married before we know ourselves. And I think that's very destructive when when really we, how do we attract the right mate if we don't know ourselves and who are we attracting if we don't know ourselves? And I think that causes a lot of problems and we can see it with the divorce rate now. It's, it's amazing. It's like one in every two weddings ends in a divorce. And that's just really to show that it wasn't really the relationship. It was the individuals not knowing themselves, you know? And then sometimes I think they take these, uh, conflicts of the relationship and they think maybe adding a kid will solve that problem. Really, the only way to bettering yourself is knowing thyself. And again, that's why the whole podcast is named Know Thyself, because it's so important. And you have to go through that pain, like we were talking about there, that pain and pleasure. We Pain is what you have to go through to get that understanding, to find that middle path. And you can't be afraid of that pain and you want to face it head on, because when you run away from it, it just keeps coming back at you, right? They're, the universe is always going to give you the same lesson. And it's not until you graduate from that that you actually elevate to the next level. But now it's not all going to just be like rainbows because the universe is like, okay, you learned that lesson. Great. I'm going to now give you a new lesson to kind of come from. And then it's going to test you with other lessons that you've already done in the past. And that's something that's happened to me. You know, I'm like, oh, I I got over this jealousy or I got over this self-consciousness. Well, I got over it for a little bit, but the universe is going to test me again in a couple months and be like, now, did you really get over it? Or were you just strong in that moment, right? I'm going to test you again. And it's up to me. That's my free will decision, my thoughts, my feelings, and my actions. How do I react to this? How do I react to this rise of jealousy in me? Am I going to be negative or am I going to try to channel that and take that energy and be positive? And that's where my free will decision comes in. And that's why it's this constant struggle of watching yourself. We talked about this last week, but... Being that watcher, the watcher behind the thoughts, watching yourself like a snake and making sure that every lesson is a lifelong lesson. And you're putting almost that foundational concrete of, no, this is the person I am now. And this is how I'm going to react to this situation that's in front of me. And it's so, so important. No, well said. Well said. And and I think uh, with describing subjective truth and objective truth. I do have one question for you. Do you ever think that people, in your opinion, are living in the middle of that? In the middle of both because they don't realize it. So they say sometimes they see what they're supposed to do and their actions are supposed to follow what they know and they feel. But sometimes when they choose, they're like, no, nah, not this. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, what's your take on that? Yeah. N- no, and you know, and I think we covered this a little bit last week. And again, I'll I will talk about the Wizard of Oz until I'm blue in the face. When I was a school teacher, my students would be like, oh, what'd you do this weekend? And Mr. Poinsky watched the Wizard of Oz. And I'm like, well, actually I did. Um, but there is a reason why Frank Baum wrote that part where the lion has two songs, because action is so important. And it's really what we're not doing, um, because we can think and feel what is right. But are we actually going to do the action to do what's right? That's what's the problem. And that's really what changes the physical reality is your actions and that will. And we'll talk about that will. And again, we we couldn't talk about will until we conquered truth because it's 
using that will to align yourself to that truth. So it's so important. But yes, we always have people living in between. And again, that's the divided individual who thinks and feels a certain way, but does not act accordingly. And with that, we're going to have people have self-doubt. That's where self-conscious issues are going to come from because they're not acting out that will. And the will is a muscle. So the more you use the will, the stronger the will gets. The less you use your will, the weaker your will gets. This is why something like, uh, this is why an individual like Bruce Lee is so impactful with this stuff because he was so concentrated on the will and constructing that will. Um, Some of the stuff he says is three lines long or maybe like eight words long. It's some of the most powerful stuff you ever can hear. And it really empowers you because he was all about chiseling that will. And that's what that statues and the Greek statues were all about. How do you chisel that will into a perfect, beautiful statue, right? Hard work. You're doing it with a hammer and a nail and it's a daily thing and you're always working on it and you're always adjusting it. And that's really what you're trying to focus. And that's really where strength comes in. Strength is, yeah, there's physical strength that's very important to stay healthy, but real strength comes in the will of an individual. And you see that. And you see that, and there's individuals that they might not look as strong as somebody else, but just by talking to them, by the eye contact they hold with you, they leave such a more of an impression than that bodybuilder that's sitting right next to you, right? And you're almost more fearful of this person just from how they carry themselves. It's very fascinating to kind of see. Um, So the will is so important, and yeah, there's so many people who live within that between that objective consciousness and or that objective truth, they're aligned to it sometimes, but sometimes it doesn't serve their purpose, so they just look away from it. And it's um, very destructive. It's one of those things, once you find the truth, the truth finds you as well, and you really can't move away from it. And you can see it through, again, pain and pleasure. Nature is always going to give us lessons through pain and pleasure. Nature, again, like these principles we're talking about, they're very simple. But again, the, the definition that we gave truth, you could read a whole new age book and it's going to give you this 500 page definition of truth. Right. It's simple. These principles we're talking about is simple. There's a reason why we broke down the brain in such a simple way last week. Principles are simple, just like the simple principles of knowledge that we had as a child that we talked about earlier. You build on principles to make complex understanding. But without building on principles and seeing the unifying topics below them, that's when you get the holistic picture. And that's why you build off of principles. That's why you need a good foundation of a house, right? You build a foundation of a house on a weak foundation or not like a sandy surface, you're going to have problems. It's not going to be a long lasting structure, right? The pyramids of Egypt are still there because of their foundation, right? This knowledge comes from Egypt and it's still here because of its foundation, foundational knowledge. So, so important. So really... Again, these principles and simplicity. If you can't explain something simply, you don't understand it enough. And that's something that we kind of want to, that's why these topics, like when we're explaining them, again, one of the reasons why our logo is that sun, and I don't know if we really covered it on air yet, is because this information, none of this information is new. None of this information is stuff. Now, maybe the examples we're using might be our own examples, but the information itself isn't new. And there's an old alchemical axiom that says there's nothing new under the sun. And it's because this information is the oldest of old information. It's been around forever. You can find it in so many different stories and so much different art and literature, like we've talked about even mathematics and science, but 
it's not old information. We're just rebringing up this information because it's foundational. It's the principles of life, and you really want to learn the principles, and that's how you build. Yeah, one of the things that I, I always often think about that you've said um, through a lot of these um, lectures that, that I listen to, or or things that you've read about, or um, you know, just um, just uh, ideas that I guess we've discussed back and forth is I always thought about how since we were kids, someone says, well, you know better, you know better than that. And I think it's so interesting that we take that, that phrase for granted because it's the person, even the person who says it, I don't think really realizes what they're saying. It's, right. it's really there underneath the surface at all times that we do know better, Right. but there are just layers that we continuously put on ourselves and excuses that people like to use um, to avoid that. And right. one way or another, like you're saying, and hopefully through this podcast that, you know, we're, we're, we're going over this, uh, in circles a little bit right now. We don't want to bore you with that, but it, it's the, the idea of truth, you know, and which one that you will choose, um, will give you pain or pleasure. And, uh, and you remind me of, uh, if I could, if I could give a quick story, but I remember the, the most harmful thing I did for myself in terms of a relationship once was I took on a relationship as I took on a task. So I, I didn't want to be single, but I did want to be in a relationship. And I knew that going through the experience, I've never been one to fear experiences. And you'll get to know that over the course of this podcast that both Daniel and I have, have done a lot to just learn more. And even if it harmed us or, or, or brought us some kind of knowledge, we're, we're always taking those experiences on. But one in particular was the relationship that I was in for a brief moment. And I only treated this relationship as part of, part of just like my daily routine. She had a daily routine. I had my daily routine and she fit all the, the, um, descriptions that I think I would have in my mind, but I wasn't really digging deep into myself to find out that I really want to let this relationship blossom with me and, and, and actually grow into it. So instead, um, back to experiences. And I hope this story will kind of help with everything we covered. But in this case, um, I decided to take a trip for two weeks down the Grand Canyon. Now we, we were on a private, uh, boat and we, we rafted for about 17 days with no, the, no distractions other than ourselves and the beauty of the layers of the Grand Canyon. It was very profound. And again, I can tell the story for a very long time, but in the end, I'll never forget how truth came about. And the way truth came about in this case for me is at the end of the trip, um, most of the people on the trip were males. Um, a lot of us were friends from the past, climbers and explorers and hikers and all this stuff. And there was a couple females on the trip, but for the most part, every male that was there had a partner. And just in the most natural form, I think two days before the trip was up, there was this domino effect where one guy mentioned Oh, I miss my significant other. And then the other echoed the same thing where he just said, Oh, me too. And I miss this, this aspect of this person. I miss this aspect of this person and not a single ounce of any affection or any kind of, um, feeling came from my heart, which heart, in my opinion, in this story lies within truth, a lot of truth. And it, nothing came out. It, I almost was hoping 
that the heart would speak for me and say, Oh yeah, like mm. I can't wait to see that person, but nothing came out. Right. As soon as I left that trip in the Grand Canyon, I knew what I had to do. And the relationship ended almost immediately after I left. Right. But my point to being it is that nothing prolific really necessarily happened. I mean, yes, of course the Grand Canyon and the trip and all this can be, you know, um, overly, you know, explained and, and, and put into this, this big idea, but really all it was, was it was very cut and dry. I wasn't with that person for two weeks. And at the end of two weeks, I felt nothing for that person. So the whole time I never felt anything for that person, but I allowed myself to be distracted with layers of a lot of BS in order to tell myself whatever I'm feeling about that person will change in time. And then I'll fall in love with her over the course of this, of, 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 of time. Again, the, the linear time that we're talking about. And the truth was no, right. You didn't love her in the first place and you still don't love her. So you know what you need to do. Now I'm not saying you need to go down the grand Canyon to have <laughs> experiences, but I'm saying in regards to what Daniel talked about today is those experiences are necessary for you to finally reach in and say, okay, the answer was there the whole time. Right. Right. And then again, you had that ability to actually go within and see, you know, as I think, so I feel, so I act. And you realize that actually my heart hasn't been connected to my actions and my, my thoughts and my actions are working without my heart. So it took you actually in that environment to find that, but it's so important that you actually connected to that because really what were you prolonging? Because if it wasn't a loving relationship and you weren't in love with this individual, you're just prolonging, prolonging the outcome of the event. The pain. The pain came after, obviously, the trip was over. But, I, I, you know, her and I, in an amicable way, I mean, we, we both, we ended in, and I explained it to her. And she's a great human still to this day. I have nothing but respect for this person. But um, I'm so glad that I was able to do that because, in the end, that pain would have came tenfold if I would have kept prolonging the process that I was avoiding. <laughs> so, you know, and I know that the process that I was going to jump into was going to have a lot of attachments, meaning... Hey, let's maybe move into an apartment. Let's right. move to another state. I mean, big things that are major as far as changing uh, perspectives on your own life and having someone come along with you on that journey. But if that journey isn't really um, coming uh, in an altruistic form, then the, I really believe that. And we use this word karma, and I don't want to use that word right now, but I'm saying I think the pain would have came again, 10 times yeah. harder than just me walking up there and saying, you know what, this is what I feel mm -hmm. and this is what I think needs to be done. Um, again, that part was tough, but I don't think it would have been a, a nearly as tough as what it really would have right. been if I would have avoided that. So I hope in this podcast, again, I know we're not trying to give you any kind of relationship advice or anything, but just... Yeah, don't take it from me. But, don't take it from me. <laughs> but I know when Daniel talks, it always helps me sort of relate to... Or when Daniel speaks about these truths or again objective and subjective there is a place for it for all of us to sort of reflect on uh, an experience we had where we either avoided the experience altogether or we actually gained knowledge from the experience itself right so. yeah i think i think johnny cash says it great when he says you can run from god but eventually he's going to cut you down and that's exactly what it is truth being the thing that's going to cut you down so you can run from the truth as long as you want but eventually it's going to catch up to you and it's always going to teach you that lesson in a much heavier way if you've been running from it, right? If you've got 10 pounds of lead and you ran away from it, it's going to give it now with 20 pounds of lead. So it's so important to be aligned with our thoughts, our emotions, our actions, understand causality and cause and effect so we can really move towards having a more pleasurable, but more fuller life. I don't want to say pleasurable because it's, life isn't really just about pleasure. We do want to experience pain and understand 
everything that is about being a self-conscious individual. But really, when we say pleasure, we really mean a fuller life. And that's really what we're after, raising that consciousness. Like we talked about that lamp, you know, turning that light on so it shows more light so we have a better view of where we're going so we avoid that pain. So I think for, for this week, I think this is a good beginning point. But again, I think there's a lot of information we could kind of come from it. But again, we're just looking to define a couple terms. So as we grow on this, we can keep building that structure and building that foundation. I like it. Thank right. Well, if you're still listening, we really appreciate it. We really hope that, um, you know, everything that we talk about here is something that you can understand. It's not something we're trying to teach. It's something that you already know. And hopefully with Daniel's way of putting things into, into perspective, you can, um, you know, better your life as, you know, we're trying to do the same for ourselves. And uh, on top of that, I just want to say a quick side note is we do have a blog for the Know Thyself blog. Daniel's really good about putting up these um, informational, uh, I guess you weren't, maybe, maybe you take it away. What, what really... What, what, what can people find in the blog at the Know Thyself podcast? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just really digestible information. Again, we want these blogs not to be something that's very lengthy. We want it just to be kind of like a quick reference point that you can kind of just, you know, you've got like five minutes to kill. You can read a quick blog post. Um, but we're going to kind of break down a little bit of concepts that we talk about and just kind of unfold stuff a little bit further. Um, and so the, the a great thing, there is a contact page on our website. So if there's a blog or there's certain information you want to hear a little bit more about, send us something on that. We get that right into our email and we would love to write a blog post or maybe even make a podcast episode about that yeah, thing that you're inquiring about. Yes. Yeah. much about or something we didn't talk uh, enough about right to to better our podcast and to better share this information for you the audience and um and and ourselves you know we want to we want to keep growing with you as well you know we're not the masters of this knowledge we're just merely two friends trying to you know help others understand that there is more than than what the eye yeah, yeah, I think we're, you know, that's a great way to point at it. We at no point are masters of this information. If anything, we're walking on the yellow brick road right next to you. So, you know, we're kind of hand in hand in this situation and we kind of just look to continuing this journey together. So we thank you for being on it with us and we look forward to continuing this journey next week. Cool. And uh, that's a wrap. That's a wrap. <laughs>